I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis people who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph, and Nick. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's Tuesday, it's frighteningly cold, and there is only one person in the studio this week. It's me. I'm here on my Jack Jones, representing... I'm only joking. Murph's on the line, couldn't make it in today. Snow's too deep. Murph, how are you? Yeah, good, mate. Sorry I couldn't make it with you, but... uh with work and uh i'm off to copenhagen in let's see nine, nine hours <laughs> oh, there you go so, oh. dedicated so yeah so i thought we get on and do this so it's remote because I, I need to literally pack and then sleep um so yeah <laughs> so well we're here to talk about the super bowl i guess we've got some other news which we'll get into first because otherwise we'll just end up talking about the super bowl for the duration of the podcast and then we've got some other bits that we may get into if we have time. Right, then we might start with the other news. Zach Taylor has officially been named as the coach of the Bengals. Murph, you're not too happy about this. Such a bad appointment. It's it's just, listen, it's hard to judge somebody who has not started the job yet, but I'm going to. <laughs> the guy basically was the quarterback coach for Derek Goff. That's it. That's all he's done. He's not been the coordinator anywhere. He's not coached anywhere as a head coach. Um, he just basically, he knows Sean McVay. And they're like, oh, great. We'll appoint the new Sean McVay. Let's just go and hire. Not even his OC. We'll hire 
the quarterback coach. Just a stupid, stupid, stupid appointment. I just, it is, the Bengals fans must be so disappointed because, you know, you've had a long time with Marvin Lewis and, you, and, you know, they, he bought you some great times. I know there was this whole no playoff win and everything. And But listen, he was a good coach, good servant. He did a lot there with not a lot. And he really built that up to be somewhat of a significant team, at least relevant at times. It's just... <laughs> just don't get it. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. I can think of about 50 people who I'd give the job to over Zach Taylor. Good luck to him. Listen, he could sit here and make me look really stupid. And I'll admit it. In a year's time, if he takes them to the playoffs, I will come on here and issue a formal apology. But I'm telling you now, it's not happening. It's not <laughs> happening. They're going to win. They're going to win five games next year. And they're going to think, what the crap has happened? And yeah, I'll drop a pen because it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, if you if you watch the Super Bowl, Jared Goff wasn't great. And if you're going to hire the coach who made Jared Goff as good as he is, best of luck to your Bengals. I, yeah, that's pretty much it. Brian Flores has been hired as the. Ah, uh, my message, my notes have just gone off the screen in front of me. <laughs> head coach of the Dolphins. So Brian Flores has finally been announced as head coach of the Dolphins. Uh, I do like this appointment on paper. Forget, listen, everyone's talking about it. it was phenomenal in the Super Bowl, and he was. So I'm not going to take anything away. But at the end of the day, it's not just what happens in the Super Bowl. It's about other things as well. And he's a good, good all-round defensive guy. When everyone's looking at the next Sean McVay, they've gone defensive. They've got Jim Caldwell in the building in some form of coaching capacity, but it is all going to depend on who he hires as his coordinators before I really judge the appointment. On paper, I like it, but if he hires a load of his old mates from New England, I'm not so sure. I think they need a bit more. Um, but Jim Caldwell will definitely help, and I think if they can get more coaches of that ilk, uh, all power to them, maybe like Jack Del Rio or someone like that, I think then you're starting to cook and look at decent appointments. So... Um, I like this a lot more than Zach Taylor one. It makes sense, um, but we'll see what happens. Nice. I, just just uh, for the Rush Nation who aren't currently sitting in the studio with us, this is the first time that Murph and I have done one of these via video. And Murph, you are looking box fresh today. That, <laughs> that is quite a haircut. Thanks, pal. Um, yeah, got it done earlier. Um, yes, yeah. he's got the fade and the line. I tell you, Murph, you're looking fresh, my friend. Thanks, pal. I'm, cool. you know, I'm going for a work trip, so it better look good. Well, Copenhagen, watch out. Now, moving on. <laughs> Talking of box fresh, Philadelphia have decided to pick up the 2019 option for Nick Foles. Ian Rappaport broke this on Saturday afternoon. I don't know whether this opens him up to a trade or not, but if it doesn't, it means he's going to get $20 million for the year. And that's pretty decent considering he's been, the last two years, he's been the playoff savior. So either way, if he gets traded, the Eagles do well. And if he doesn't, he gets $20 million in his pocket. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of a risk-free option for for Philadelphia. I, he's not going to play there. He's not going to be there at some point. At the end of the day, what this works out to be is an op- it's an opportunity to cash in on an asset. So they're going to franchise tag him, and they're going to basically – it's a $20 million option. And then what happens is Foles himself – um, has the ability to void the option. So if he doesn't want this to happen, we everything we know about Nick Foles says this isn't going to happen. Right. He can pay the Eagles $2 million to get out of the, out of the franchise tag. Um, and then what would happen is he'd then have the ability to go to another team, um, and it all goes down to picks. 
So basically, what they'll need to do is just try and engineer a trade so that Foles gets his twenty million and he doesn't pay the two million to get out of the option. Um, I don't think anyone's going to pay more than twenty million anyway. Um, the only thing this does is sort of delays his long-term negotiation by a year. So it's it's a little more complicated than most situations, um, but it's interesting to see if someone's going to just take a punt. What this doesn't do well for Nick Foles is it's basically he's going on a one-year trade. So anyone that picks him up is basically picking him up on a one-year trade, and they might offer him a contract straight away, but I doubt it because the 2020 QB class is pretty, pretty lit. There's some good, good names in there. And I think a lot of people, this will suit someone like Jacksonville who can get away from Bortles and pay 20 million. Miami, we just talked about, could be another option where they could just swallow the 20 million for this year uh, and draft a QB next year and think about what they want to do. So I don't think it plays too well for Foles, but I think at the same point, he can pay to get out of it and exercise a longer term option, but it will be an attractive market for him. And it's a smart move by the Eagles because they'll get something for him because it's a poor QB class this year. Yeah, for sure. Julius Peppers has retired. He's ranked fourth time amongst sack leaders in his 17-year career, drafted by the Panthers, went to the Bears before three years in Green Bay, and he's now finished his career back in Carolina. Probably a good move. I think, you know, 17 years of having a absolute hiding week in, week out for 17, 18 weeks of the year is enough after 17 years. So congratulations, Julius Peppers, on a decent career, I'd say. Yeah, I think he'll go Hall of Fame. Uh, a lot of people are talking in, about first ballot possible I, I don't think I'd put him in the instant he, this is a great player phenomenal career to be four full time in sacks take some consideration that sacks have only been counted for the last 20 25 30 years or so so it's not the whole history of, of, of the era but I still think he's, he's a good player never won uh, a Super Bowl went in his second year uh, with the Panthers when they lost and I don't think he went back and I think it's a shame that ring is obviously what was missing his career, but it doesn't look like he's going to get that anytime soon. Um, so it makes sense to retire. Good luck to him. Great career. Um, very inspiring, especially when he first came into the league. He was one of the best, one of the best you'll see in sort of just causing pressure and havoc. I mean, I remember his first few years and he was a phenomenal player um, and he carried that through. Great professional and uh, yeah wish him well I, I do think he goes into the Hall of Fame it's that debate whether or not he goes in first ballot a lot of people talking about he is we'll see in five years yeah so Rams tackle Andrew Whitworth who by the way is an absolutely massive human being I did not realise how tall he was he is huge yeah, he said after massive. Sunday's disappointing Super Bowl loss that he isn't sure if he'll retire I mean he's probably got another year in him and if the Rams can get there again next year and actually perform in the Super Bowl then they might have a chance of winning it yeah, again, you're talking about a great player. Um, didn't amass that many playoff wins before this year. Um, I guess he's got to do what's right for him, uh, and it depends what what happens with the Rams. Um, if he if he's got if he's under contract next year, which I think he is, then you know it's it's that desire and hunger. It's it's very difficult when you lose something like a Super Bowl, which is the pinnacle not just of your season but effectively of your career. And you know he's going to ask himself. Am I going to get there next year? And is it worth going through all that training, all that pressure, all that, you know, you basically, your life's on hold for five months. Am I prepared to do that for one more year to have a shot at it? And how realistic is that shot? And I think that's what he's weighing up. And 
whatever he decides will be the right choice for him and his family. So if he chooses not to, that's not a slate on the Rams. It's not thinking he that they're not going to do it. It's just a case of for him, he's just had enough. And I think, I think he'll go away and think about it. I, I'd be surprised if he did retire personally. I think it's just, it's one of those things you say in the moment of a huge defeat. You haven't processed it. And I think it's a difficult one for him, but hopefully he will go away. I think if he'd won it, I think he definitely would have retired though. Oh, so. no doubt. No doubt. So, but I think, I think he comes back. Fair. Gurley has insisted that his knee is healthy despite minimal impact in the Super Bowl. Now, we'll leave this one, Murph, because this could take a little while to talk about. We'll talk about that when we get into the Super Bowl in a bit. Saints DC, Dennis Allen is staying with New Orleans. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport has been told this apparently by the Saints. He's expected to receive a new deal and stay with the organisation. I think that's pretty big for them. Their defence has been pretty good over the last couple of years. And, you know, like the piece of... Well, I'm not going to break it too soon, Murph, but the bit that Murph and I have been writing says that continuity is king. So like holding on to their DC and continuing the growth there, I think is top move. Yeah. You, you can't really question the job he's done. He's improved that defensive unit completely. Um, there are times that that unit was a bit suspect, but it's nothing more than perhaps what it was in the past. I think he's done a pretty good job, uh, assembled some good talent there. Um, be interesting what they pick up this year, but yeah, that, you know, you, you can't you can't deny that he's done a good job there and and isn't worthy of an extension. So, um, good luck to them and see how they get on next year. Absolutely more. Right, Patriots are likely adding former Bucks head coach and Ohio State DC Greg Schiano to the defensive staff. Did I say that right, Murph? Yeah, Greg Schiano. Yep, you did. Um, You're shaking your head there, bud. He's just not a nice guy. <laughs> Greg, Greg Schiano is basically Mr. Military Discipline, uh, Disciplinarian. So it will suit, it will suit the, the Patriots for what they are. He'll communicate a message in a very diligent and very <clears throat> forceful way. I just say that if I'm sitting there on, on the defense at the, at, <laughs> at the Patriots, you might have just come off a Super Bowl. Greg Schiano is not the guy. Um, I just, he really killed the culture in, in Tampa. Um, listen, it was a losing team and he was really, really militant. I mean, we're talking about someone who is just very, he's almost like a, uh, an army ranger, sort of one of those drill instructors kind of things get really in your face and, and really lose it. And, um, you got to remember that Ohio state have just appointed a new coach and they've let him go. So, it's not like this guy is going from Ohio State in a current role. It is he has left the organization. He is unemployed. It could I mean it worked for the Patriots for what they do. They're so regimented in what they do. But the one thing I think there will be a bit of a, a clash between him and Belichick from my experience of Shiano because he just he just believes his own hype quite a lot. And uh yeah. But he's a good he's a good defensive guy like he knows he knows his stuff it's just how he communicates is more the issue than his actual skill level and ability fair right let's move on to the nfl award winners they've been handed out now this season is over so philadelphia eagles defensive end chris long was named 2018 walter payton nfl man of the year it's a decent accolade to get it's wonderful it's the one that most players actually tend to go for so um it's also one of the most hotly contested so every team nominates uh, somebody for this award. So it's 32 nominees across all the teams. And it's basically about their charitable um, humanitarianism in their community. So 
Um, I, I don't personally know what Chris Long has done to this. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying I don't know what he's yep. done. But you can you can accept that whoever has won this award has done a great deal in their personal community uh, and the team community to uh, help other privileged kids or to help uh, low income families or you know uh, make a really really big difference people like what jj Watt have done in, in the hurricane relief uh kind of stuff and you know that that's what this reward you know award recognizes so um congratulations to him for winning it but personally anyone that's nominated for this award is is a worthy winner for what they do so um it never matters to me who won i think if you've been nominated that shows what a stand-up person you are yeah, no doubt. Now, a couple of Bears coaches. Matt Nagy's announced the 2018 NFL Coach of the Year. I think that's pretty fair. No, I disagree with this one. Well, I, I, I mean, it, it, listen, he's on the shortlist for me, but how 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 he gets it over Frank Reich is laughing. Okay. Yeah, no fair. That's I, I just I don't get that. Frank Frank Reich took a team that in the power rankings at the start of the season were ranked 32nd. They were destined to come dead last. They were Their draft was called shambolic. He wasn't even the guy that was appointed to the job in the first place. That was Josh McDaniels, and he left them at the altar. And <laughs> he's taken an unfit Andrew Luck, um, assembled a, a, a defensive line and an offensive line effectively out of string and rookies, and led them to the playoffs. Madness how he doesn't get this. It, absolutely. Like, listen, there's nothing against Nagy. Nagy has done a good job. Um but he wasn't starting from scratch. <laughs> That's you know, the Colts won, what, three, four? What did they win last year? They must have won... I don't know. Four, I think it was like four games, three games. They didn't win a lot. They were picking five in the draft. So it's not like they were, they were winning a lot of games. Um, the Bucks picked seventh, or would choose to pick seventh, and they won five. So it was less right. than five. All right, all right. Well, okay. No, I'll take that. Matt Nagy, you don't deserve it. Moving on to a Bears coach, Vic Fangio, who was named 2018 Assistant Coach of the Year following the Bears' turnaround from worst to first in the NFC North. Is this one as good? Are you happy with this one, Murph, or not? not? Yeah, more, I've, I'm more amiable to this. I mean, Vic Fangio's just got a head coaching job out of what he's done there, so um, he's always led an elite defence, and to get a defence ranked number one, uh, hard to argue. Um, what he has done is, isn't worthy of the award. Um, I'm trying to think of people that you could potentially put up there. But I, yeah, I, I'm happy with Fangio. I think he, he did a great job. I mean, we saw in the fantasy review how dominant that, that Bears defense was that we didn't even bother considering anybody else to be worthy of a rushy because it was so dominant. So it uh, helps that you get Camille Mack handed to you. But um, yeah, you've got to make the most of it. And draft a world, Roquan Smith, um, it's a mean, mean defense. So, yeah, I'm slightly more amiable with this one than, than the Nagy Award. Well, let's hope Vic Fangio turns uh, my boy Chubb into the next Khalil Mack. But who knows? Well, let's move on to a Colt who did win an award. Colts linebacker Darius Leonard was named NFL's 2018 Defensive Rookie of the Year. Can't argue with this. I, he was an no. absolute monster. Yeah, franchise record in tackles. Um Absolutely brilliant. People, when he was drafted, thought that this was a reach to take him in the second round. And I really love it when when there's these draft stories of he wasn't good enough to go in this round or with that pick and then just turns around and absolutely dominates. I think uh, it's a wonderful story um, and fair play. Nobody saw him putting up the numbers he did. So, yeah, I mean, he was my – if if I was going through and nominating, he would have been my vote. Yeah, easy. I don't even think I'd have considered. I mean, the only other one I think I could have half considered was Derwin James, and Derwin James had a cracking year. Um, yeah. But I just think when it came down to 
who made the plays that mattered. I think Leonard was 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 just there for me. No doubt. Aaron Donald, number 99 of the Rams. Pretty ineffective. Didn't touch. I don't think he sacked Brady on Sunday, did, did he? No, um, he didn't. I, I don't think he was ineffective. I think this is where... I, I, I meant sack-wise. I mean, I, I, the Rams' defense was absolutely ridiculously good on Sunday night. Uh, they just... But we'll get into this a little bit later. Anyway, Aaron Donald has been named 2018 NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And... There's no doubt in that at all. He's, I think he was two and a half sacks ahead of JJ Watt, three sacks ahead of JJ Watt. So that, that'll do it. I think what was interesting is he got 45 of the 50 votes. Wow. Khalil Mack got the other five. And no one else was even in contention. Not even no. one for JJ. No. Crikey. Talking of JJ Watt, he got decisively beaten out by Colts quarterback Andrew Luck, who earned comeback player of the year. I don't think you can argue with that. They, coming back from... A year off with shoulder problems, it's surgery, and he was going to 2017. He was going to be throwing and didn't, and then all of a sudden he had the whole year off. Came back, and people were saying, "Is he going to be the Andrew Luck?" And I'm pretty sure he was the Andrew Luck we all know and love. Yeah, um, mostly. I think what he, what he doesn't necessarily have in the arm strength he once had. I think there's a little decrease there. He's improved with um, timing and with just the way he plays the game. So I think overall he's probably ended up being a better quarterback, um, but not he's lost some of maybe that natural ability. But um, credit to him, um, and it helps. What what really helps is is the way that they built the offensive line to protect him. Because you, you know I don't think for me this is just an award to him; it's an award to the entire organization uh, for what they did to um, build that line and to give him plenty of time and strength. Because it didn't work in the first few weeks; it takes time to get that rhythm going. But once they did, wow! I mean, to win. Uh, nine of your last ten games to to get into the playoffs. I think hats off to you. That's yeah, talking play. of that, talking of the O line, didn't they go from the worst sack rate in 2017 to the best in 2018? Something. I yeah, think. exactly. So Tony Gonzalez, Ed Reed, Champ Bainey will be enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, and they'll be joined by Ty Law, Kevin Marway, Pat Bolan, Gil Brandt, and Johnny Robinson. You uh, you you, you got some. Hatred for the Ty Law one here in Murphy. Your post in Rush Nation's Facebook forum was, was yeah, strong. Well, it's not him. No, congratulations to Ty Law. You're obviously fantastic. But the player who didn't get in, I think... Ronnie Bar- Barber didn't even make the finals. And there's a bit of bias for me, I'll be admit. Ronde Barber is a, a Bucks legend. I watched him for a number of years. But I don't get in what category Ty Law is a first ballot Hall of Famer. There's some people in there, I, I, Cam Bailey, I couldn't swallow. I just, uh, Ty Law for me, I, I, I posted the stats and, I'll, and I'll, I'll tweet them out again. I just don't really, get, like he was a good player, he won Super Bowls. But I think people are giving him the award because he won, what was it, I think three Super Bowls? I just think like... It's not just about that. It's it's about everything you contribute. And he was a fine player, but they didn't really miss him all that much when he left the organization. And they replaced him well. And uh, He's a fine player. He deserves to go in the Hall of Fame. Do I think he's a first ballot Hall of Fame? And no. Do I think he was better than some of the other players in there? John Lynch. John Lynch, how he doesn't get in. Sixth consecutive time he's been nominated as a finalist, doesn't get in. For me, it's good player, but yeah, not for me. Fair. Moving on. 
Time is of the essence, and Murph and I have already started talking way too much. The Associated Press voters have named Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Pat Mahomes, 2018 NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Locked and loaded. Thanks for coming. Moving on. This next one, Murph, is I don't think it should have gone to Saquon Barkley. So Saquon Barkley is announced as the Offensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL Honors list. Um, I don't know how you don't give it to Baker Mayfield. I just think he was Rookie of the Week seven times this season. Barkley won it once. And it what obviously Barkley broke records left, right and centre and he is a phenom at running back. But what Barkley did for the Browns organisation is far and above what Bar- Barkley did for the Giants. You mean what Baker did? Not Sorry, yeah, you. I said Barkley twice, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, what, what Baker did. So let me tell you why he won it. I don't agree, but I told... I got some heat off this um, a few weeks ago when I told Browns fans on Twitter that Saquon Barkley was winning this award. And I don't think it's fair. I'm not going to sit here and say what I'm saying is right. I'm just telling you this is why he won the award. He won it because he played the most games, and he won it because he plays in New York. That is it. It's all about television media exposure. It's about... I think what Baker Mayfield did this year was absolutely incredible. And this is just proof that if you are on a small team in the NFL and you're in a small market like Cleveland, or if he was in Tampa or Denver or somewhere like that, you don't have a hope because if you get drafted by a New York team and you're turn out to be a really good football player, you're probably going to win an award. It's just, it just annoys me that, and, and I told Browns fan, this is why. And I got loads of heat for this. And I was like, I'm just preparing you. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying that he would be my pick because he's not. Baker Mayfield would be my pick by a country mile. He not just he not just played well. He transformed a losing organization. He took a team that won one game in two years. And they won seven games with him. And that doesn't sound like a lot. But one, he didn't play the first three of the season. And two, they... It just they changed the whole culture. They're now a team people are talking about playoffs next year. Whether they make it or not, who knows? But they're in the hunt. Mm. So, it's stupid. But this is what happens with these awards. They're always going to be tainted with me with a bit of political bias. Because if you play in New York, or you play for the Patriots, or you play for Pittsburgh, or for one or Green Bay, you're going to get slightly more recognition than you are if you play for a small market team. And that's just, that's just the way it is. Yeah. It's a bit like us not winning the People's Choice Podcast Award, isn't it? I mean, you know, there's much bigger <laughs> podcasts out there. And who's not to say our followers aren't just as loyal, but because it's just us in my mother's garage at the moment, we didn't win it. But we will, Rush Nation. Don't you worry. Kind of... <laughs> it's a good analogy. I like to think that we're slightly better than the Cleveland Browns, but we'll go with it for now. <laughs> no, no, we are. We, we are. <laughs> we're on a roll, big man. Right. I've got a couple of bit of housekeeping here. Um, First one, patches. The patches, as you may have seen on Twitter and Facebook, are in. They are absolute fire, guys. Uh, so good. So if you have left us a review, send us a DM on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram just to remind us that you did. And if you could take a screenshot of your review, that would be great. So we're not, we, we, we trust you all, but we don't want you stealing all our review patches. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then you know, DM us with a picture and your address, and I'll ping one out in the post to you as soon as I get it. Now, this is hot off the press, Rush Nation. The website is currently being built. Now, I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen the template, and holy cannoli, it is sexy. That's what I'm saying. It's going to blow your mind. 
Oh, mate, it's so good. It's going to be so good. So props to you, Phil. Looking forward to to seeing that as it's being built. And then, Murph, I don't know what this last one stands for, so you take this. Uh, I'd scrolled up, so... It says AOB. Uh, oh, just, yeah, I just put AOB. Um, just just basically if there was anything else we wanted to add. Um, so AOB is any other business. So the Facebook page. So you, some of you have been invited to join our Facebook page. Um, we've been really slow in trying to build it up. Um, apologies. It's just other priorities. But we want to build up the Facebook page. There's some lots of chats on different NFL groups. We've created a Rush Nation group. Um, so please, please go and find it's at five yard rush on Facebook. And then link to that is the rush nation group. Join both. Um, one is going to be some exclusive content that we're going to put out on the Facebook page to try and drill it up. Just maybe like a couple of videos or just something like that. I mean, most of the content will go on the website, but, um, we might just do a few little cheeky bits, uh, just to keep things going on that channel. Um, but the Rush Nation group, we really want to grow into discussions on fantasy debate and questions on fantasy and just, just anything. Just, I mean, at the moment, we've been talking Super Bowl and stuff. There's not much fantasy stuff going on, but draft and mock drafts. Just have a real discussion and, and do dang on there and, and just get people really talking. Um, we're going to be, um, we're not, I mean, we're only going to modulate it against people that are just going to post absolute crap. If people want to try and use this as a forum to, uh, preach hate and things like that not going to go down well um, we like controversial opinions um, got no problem with someone saying that they think a player is terrible when everyone else thinks they're great if you can back it up that's fine um, but it's just a case of just trying to keep it in somewhat intellectual in the sense of we just want to have debates about the game we love I don't want to have trash talk about patriots being cheaters you can save that for any other facebook group that is on there we just want to try and bring something a bit different um and the other one is thank you to all of you listeners for helping us reach a thousand followers on twitter by the super bowl uh it was a nice surprise to get there on saturday although we did campaign quite hard to get the last few but uh, as such we're, we're approaching 1100 already so it's growing really really oh, quickly really? Yeah, we're like 1,000 and near 60, I think. Um, so we, we didn't just beat it and squeak over the line. We, we just continue to grow. So thank you so much. Um, hopefully we can do similar with Facebook. And the more things we can do like that, growing Twitter, growing Facebook, uh, the more stuff we can give away. We did say, I did put out that we'll do something. Chris and I will put our heads together when I'm back from Copenhagen and we will do something for uh, the 1,000 listener, uh, thousand followers on, on Twitter. So uh, just because it's not something we've done yet doesn't mean we're not going to do anything. Just uh, give us a little bit of time. It's just been a, a manic couple of weeks for us. Yes, sir. Right. Everybody's tuned in for the Super Bowl. Let's talk about it. Super Bowl 53. 13-3 win for the Patriots over the Rams. I didn't think it was boring. There's been a lot of chat about it being boring. I think people have been massively spoiled by the last few Super Bowls and this season the game changed significantly this season with gunslingers and people scoring from all over the field and all of a sudden you've got two defensive teams all right the Patriots didn't have to do that much because Goff wasn't great but the Rams D was absolutely brilliant for three quarters and they just had nothing left in the fourth and that isn't surprising because Jared Goff did not help them out one bit I don't I don't know why people think it's boring it's the same people that don't like nil nils and it ends up one nil in, in, in football and soccer. Um, I don't quite get that because with five minutes to go, you don't know who's going to win. It's a one score game with eight minutes to go. The score is tied. So we, we're not talking about a game here where I, the only time a, a Super Bowl for me is boring is when there's a blowout. 
the team wins 40 something to three. That's boring. That is dying. That is, that's hands down boring. You can appreciate what's going on. But it's not a game. This was just a different type of game. And for people who don't, I, I'm not going to want to criticize anybody's opinions. If, if you thought it was boring, I'd love to have a chat with you. Um, not to try and convince you. No, 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 not, not to try and convince you you're wrong, but it's, it's just about, it's, it's not for anything other than I think it's just appreciating what the game is. Um, I, I love what we saw in week 10 with the, the Rams and the Chiefs. And that's still my favorite game of the season outside of the Bucks winning 48-40 opening game of the season. I love shootouts. Like, I do. I, I'm a purist in that sense of I do want to see more touchdowns. But sometimes when you get a game like this where it's so tense and nail-biting and you just it just had drama galore all over it and amazing tactics, that's kind of what I want to talk to people about is if you thought it was boring, it's, it's it's probably because of maybe it's just trying to understand what those tactics are, what those different nuances are. There weren't that many stoppages, which was good. It was a quick game. It moved. Um, I just thought it was an, an excellent display of tactics, of technique, of skill, of some of the tackling was incredible. The punting was, no one likes punts, but Johnny Hecker's Super Bowl record 65 yard punt, incredible. Um, I just think, the all-round play of every facet and offense won the game in the sense of that drive from Brady that led to the touchdown, the grab from Gronkowski was just brilliant. It was a brilliant, brilliant game. Yes, everyone would love more touchdowns, but it was still brilliant for what it was. At least it wasn't a blowout. At least it wasn't one-sided. And you kind of saw why the Patriots are so good and what they can do to people when, when the time comes. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about Julian Edelman, shall we? MVP, yeah, I think it's unreal. He missed a playoff. It just shows you the damage a good receiver can do from the slot. I mean, you, you get wideouts, you know, you get the X and Z wideouts, and, and they get shadowed by your lockdown corners. And you, you stick somebody in the slot who can then match up against safeties or linebackers and stuff like that, and you can't cover him. You cannot single cover someone as good as Ingle. Edelman in the slot and and they did that time and time and time and time and time and time against the Rams and they just yeah the Rams have got two shutdown corners in Peters and Tlaib and and maybe they're not as good as they once were possibly but they are still at the top of their game but then you don't have a shutdown slot corner and I short of Chris Harris Jr I can't think of another one that's gonna possibly hold Edelman to to a one-on-one and and the Patriots just said well, if you're going to keep showing us the gap in the middle of the field like that, we're going to keep taking it. And they did. Yeah, I I agree. I, I, I understand why he's the MVP. I do understand why he's the MVP. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I, I just think for this game being so defensive, I think this was a great opportunity to give it to a defensive player. I think the hard problem was, I don't think they could pick one. I think that was it. I, I think you looked at the Patriots' defense as a whole, and it was hard to single any one person. And I think that's why um, it went to Edelman. I think if you had seen, I mean, I think if Gilmore gets one more interception, he wins it. I think if McCourty makes one more play outside of what he made at the back. By the way, that play might be one of the best Super Bowl plays of all time. When Brandon Cooks is about to just catch this ball, the Rams are about to turn it around and probably win the game. And McCourty's not even in the screen. It's just absolutely run. And he's just knocked the ball out of his hat. I, that, that play alone was why the Patriots won this game. It's it just was. because it was that little bit of passion, desire, heart, just that 
making the play when it mattered. That was the difference. It was the Rams just could not make the plays when it mattered, and the Patriots on both sides of the ball did. That's all this was. And we've had some questions on Twitter from the fantasy fam. I'm going to read two here. Uh, it's all just too easy for the Patriots. It's been 17 years since their first Super Bowl together, uh, and they're still getting there every year. Um, how, how does this change? And then the two-on-one podcasters like to follow up on this question. Do other coaches besides the ones that beat the Pats seem to fold under pressure of coaching against Bill Belichick or simply the pressure of the Super Bowl? Is there any intimidation factor with playing the Pats in the Super Bowl? And I, I don't know what your view is on this. In, in both my cases, I think there's an element of that. But I think at the same point, you're watching the best coach of all time and, and the best quarterback of all time. And there's, there's no debate or doubt anymore that those two are are what they are but I think it's just a case of I think people try to scheme a little bit too much and I I looked at what McVeigh was trying to do and I think he ate all of the criticism and I think good of him to do it but I'm not sure if he was as culpable as he says he is because there were plays out there that were left I can think of the cut uh, over midfield that Jared Goff went long and if he just goes across the field down the middle um, you've got a receiver, I think it was Robert Woods, is going to get to the 20 and he's going to be in the red zone. It's a yep. different game. Uh, Jared Goff's interception is just beyond farcical, how bad it is. I don't know why he's throwing that ball. It's, what, what's he trying to achieve there? I don't know what he is doing there. Um, if you do there, make there, that um, play, the only place you throw that is to the very back corner of the end zone. And if your receiver doesn't catch it, nobody does. That's the yep. only place you can play that ball on that route. That's, that is it. And I know he's hit and he's going on the way down, but it's just that inexperience. And I, I, listen, I think there's a there's a fair argument here that when the Patriots are there, they're difficult to beat, but they're also not improbable. It's nine finals, they've won six. They lost three, two to the Giants, one to the Eagles. And in all of those games, they were heavy favorites. And what the difference was, was heavy intensity, heavy pressure, but more importantly, there was just this ability to make plays. I mean, the Eagles made so many, it's ridiculous. Coming up with the Philly special, I don't think it's necessarily, an int- I think it's always going to be difficult when you're coaching against the best of all time. But some people thrive on it, and some people cower. And I think that is the difference. It's more about the person themselves and what they do. I don't think, I think McVeigh is getting far too much criticism for this game. I think he has to eat some of it. But at the same point, I think he does a job where there are receivers open and there are plays there. I think the run game is where he's culpable, not not in the passing game. I think that all sits on, on Goff. But as we've said on this podcast time and time and time again, the lead up to this game, if I was a coach, I would sit there, take the run game out of this, and I'd make Jared Goff beat me because I don't think he can. And yeah. I think that is, and I think the Patriots just looked at that and went, that, that's what we're going to do because he is the weak link. He is the weak link on this this Rams team and it's what they do now. Can they win a Super Bowl with him? Possibly, but he needs to improve. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think OC said it on the BBC coverage. Uh, he's just not picking it up and he wasn't picking up pre-snap. He wasn't picking up post-snap and they couldn't run the ball because the Patriots pretty much choked up the line and said, all right, Jared, go and throw it like Murph just said. And, and he couldn't because he couldn't pick the coverage up. And, they would, like you said, the Woods one, all right, maybe Brandon Cooks. I think the one where McCourty made the play, yeah, it was an unreal play. And you're unlikely to see a defensive play as good as that next season just because of the ground. I mean, don't forget, it was blown coverage. 
Brandon Cooks had blown. He, Gilmore was playing zone. He'd left Gilmore's zone, and all of a sudden there wasn't a safety behind him. And Brandon Cooks was stood in the end zone. He didn't run in and try and catch it on the run. Brandon Cooks ran out of pitch and had to stand by the goalpost. If, Brad, if Jared Goff throws that half a second earlier while Brandon Cooks is on the move, spots that the coverage is blown, that's a touchdown all day long. And that's exactly it. And that, that is, that is, and we've said it time and time and time again, that boy just holds the ball just a little bit too long. And that's his weakness. And he waits too much on being told what to do and what he needs to do. And I, the bit that I found fascinating was this. They had to completely change their game plan. So what they were doing is they were standing there in their huddles until 15 seconds, until the headset communication goes off for both teams. Um, and that was where they started to have a little bit of success because McVay was smart enough to realize that, hey, those guys on the other side of the ball, they're working out exactly what we're doing. They, they can see it. So what we need to do is not line up until when the communication shuts off because then Belichick's not in the ear. Belichick can't, you're taking the coach out of the game yeah. and you're making the line try and beat you. And for the most part, they still did it, but they, where they got some joy and where they got some success was all down to when they shut that communication off and when they got to the line so that they couldn't be told by Belichick, this is what you need to be doing. This is what you, you know, they're, they're lining up like this. This is going to be a screenplay. This is going to be a pass play because they haven't got it in the air. It's down to their own experience and they still covered most of it. But yeah, I just think, I, th- I think for me, McVeigh has done the noble thing and fallen on his, so- his sword and that's what most good leaders do. I think he had an incredible season. Um, and I think he's going to do a a great job um, going forward. And I don't think it will be his his last. Um, but for me, Jared Goff needs to needs to eat a huge amount of this, and he needs to go away and become a better quarterback. Because for me, this is where the failure of this game sits is with him. Um, you can talk about Gurley whether he's fit or not. I don't know. I don't even care to be perfectly honest. Um, it, this is where everyone talks about elite running backs and you can have elite running backs and they can do a great job, but ultimately any running back can be stopped at any time, anywhere when there's enough on it. And in a game where you've got a quarterback like that, who the, the opposing team have looked at and gone, to be honest, I'd rather shut down the run game and make that kid beat us than to uh, focus on the quarterback. That That's the difference. I think if you'd had, Kansas City and, and I mean and the way that they schemed Kansas City was completely different because they actually did the opposite they tried to make Kansas City try and beat them with the run because they took Mahomes out of the game yeah. and that's how versatile that team is it's good coaching it's good coaching and do I think the Patriots win again next year possibly they might not it depends on um, people talk about their decline over the regular season and they lost to these teams I just think they they didn't turn up for the games they should have won that's all I think it is. They beat all the teams they should have beat when it mattered. Um, but I also think they've got some issues still. Yeah, they do. And Goff is clearly one of them. But, you know, they've got the coaching and, and possibly they might sort it out in the off-season. But we have to wait and see. Yeah, Gurley, didn't matter whether he was fit or not. You, you, <laughs> Belichick says we're going to stop the run and, and they'll stop it. And CJ Anderson couldn't do it. Gurley couldn't do it. So... What, do you remember what we said? And I, I know we keep going back to what we referred to when we talked about this last week um, on the Tuesday pod. And we talked about the keys to this victory. Um, whoever was going to win, it was about the line of scrimmage. Yep. And I think that, that that's where this game was won. It was won on the line of scrimmage. 
the Patriots offensive line did a brilliant, brilliant job of start, uh, stacking the box and stopping the run. Um, you know, if, if you if you took Gurley's 14-yard run or whatever it was out of his numbers, he'd have finished 9 for 19, which is just an incredible, incredible stat um, to reduce him to, to two yards a carry, you know, taking out his one long run. And then, you know, the, the wideouts weren't a massive threat either. I mean, it was just a brilliant, brilliant scheme on the offensive line. And, and, and they, sacked, they sacked him five times. And then you talk about on the defensive line, just everything or, you know, the offensive line just to give the time for Brady to do what he needed to do and to open up the holes when it mattered, such as, you know, the goal line getting in first and goal boom no messing around one play and it's in and funny enough that touchdown run was the only play that was in the red zone in the entire game shut the front door really <laughs> yeah really it was the only play that was ran it was the only play that was ran inside the red zone was the touchdown run wow that's the, Ram- the Rams never got in and the, and the Patriots got there once everything else was field goals and uh and no one got down to the red zone I, I can't remember a game where there's been so little uh red zone action <laughs> <laughs> It's mad. I really enjoyed it. I did. I thought it was a great, great, great. It was. And it, it, it just proved to me that this defense is still important in the NFL in this day and age. I mean, you, you've got the Patriots offense where people were saying that they're going to give up sacks and stuff because the Rams give up the most, put the most pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And you look at the likes of uh, Aaron Donald, Fowler, Dominic's and Dominic and Sue, and they just held firm and it wasn't even a battle in the trenches really when it came down to it they didn't but I think it would have been different had Goff been on the field for longer give his defense a chance to breathe back when they're off the pitch it would have been a different story but they didn't and and you know that's how it ended yeah I think um I think what McVeigh will take away from this is how close they got uh and I think he'll know what he'll need to do to make this team better I think with the Patriots, it's a case of if you are going to beat the Patriots, it's a case of just getting in their face and and really, really forcing that pressure through and allowing – you have to make them make mistakes. That's ultimately how you win the game. And in the first quarter, the Rams did this as good as anybody has all season. They got the turnover. They forced Tom Brady into taking two – uh, timeouts in the same series because he just didn't have an idea what to do. The problem was it was just they just didn't get any offense going for three quarters, and that defense ran out of steam. As as you said, if if Goff had just made a few more plays, if if Gurley or Anderson had just made a few more plays, I think they could have won the game. Um, it's just that they just didn't do it when it mattered. That Rams offense, and and again, people are going to put the, the blame on on McVeigh. And, and and if you look at back at the tape and you look at the coverages, there were quite a few plays where there were wide receivers open, uh, where there were some gains that could have easily been made. Um, they could have run the ball a little bit more, um, disguised it a little bit better. And I think most of that comes down to your core play, uh, your core playing, and your uh, your quarterback out there. So don't want to go around in circles, but. I think they're definitely strong contenders to, to win the NFC next year. And just because they've only scored three points in this game doesn't make them a bad team. No, sorry. Right, Murph, we've talked about the Super Bowl. Give us some Super Bowl Smurf on the street facts. These are pretty good. I can see these this week and these are good. Yeah, there's some, there's some good ones in here. So, uh, Sonny Michelle, one of eight players with six rushing touchdowns in a single postseason in NFL history. Um, so six of the seven previous players are Hall of Famers and five of the previous seven won the Super Bowl that season. 
the Patriots did not allow any first-half points for the second straight game, and their opponents were the number one-seeded Chiefs and the number, and the number two-seeded Rams in uh, scoring offenses in the NFL this season. So to not concede any points neither half to them is quite impressive. The Patriots are 41-1 and when shutting out opponents in the first half in the Belichick-Brady era, including playoffs. That one loss was to the Giants in November 2011 when the game was 0-0 half-time. <laughs> Wow. Do you think, you think this was a snooze fest? Imagine having to watch a 0-0 at halftime and going and imagining what's going to happen. I think that was about 45 points in that game in the end. Yeah, and then Super Bowl uh, 52 saw just one punt, one punt in the entire game. And then you fast forward 12 months and we saw eight in the first half. <laughs> were they all Rams? No, they weren't all Rams. I know this Rams' first seven possessions were punts. First eight. Yeah, first eight possessions of theirs were punts. I think that was split five to two. Five to three or six to two, it was something like that to the Rams. Julian Edelman has passed uh, Michael Irvin for the second most receiving yards in NFL postseason history. Only Jerry Rice has more receiving yards than Edelman in the playoffs. And Rams punter, this is my favorite stat. Rams punter Johnny Hecker had more touches in the first half with six punts um, than Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks combined with five. Have a day, Johnny Hecker. <laughs> He had a great day. Unbelievable. There was talk about him, genuine talk, he might be the MVP. And I'll tell you what, if they had nicked it like 6-3 or something, I'm telling you now he would have been. (laughs) He would have been the MVP because he single-handedly with field position kept them in the game. Yeah, very true. Very true. Right, Murph. That's pretty much us, mate. Yeah, good week. Yeah. You enjoy Copenhagen, my friend. Will do. Be a lot of work to do. Um, Looking forward to to that getting away for a couple of days but then yeah um, we will uh, reunite next week in the studio yes sir right Rush Nation happy Chinese New Year happy year of the pig I, I don't know if that helps anybody out but I think I might be having Chinese for dinner <laughs> so I'm celebrating and uh, yeah Murph and I will be reunited next week back in the studio but until then Rush Nation don't forget keep rushing HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 